The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Good morning. Welcome to Park Church. Today's scripture is reading from Psalm 98. You can find the Bible in the pew in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, we would love to give you one at, at the end of the service at the info table. Again, this is Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sights of the nation. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Break forth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth. Break forth into joys and song of sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar in all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord. Come on now. We got to clap for that. Good job, y'all. The Lord has done marvelous things through the reading of his word by y'all. Good job. That was incredible. Uh, my name's James. I'm the director of operations here, and I'm excited to, uh, to look at this passage with you. And as I always say, to do my best to tell you what it means and why it matters for us in Denver, Colorado in 2019. Um, before we get into the text, I have two things that I need to do. Uh, the first is I need to announce the Anxiety and Depression Seminar that's coming up at the end of this month. Uh, so Jason was going to do this announcement, but he's teaching premarital. He's overseeing this event. Um, and here's what he had to say about it. He said, anxiety and depression are things that many people in our church body and in our society struggle with. I'd venture to guess that all of us have felt anxiety and deep sadness to some degree in our lives. And so we want to take a night and look at what God and his word have to say about anxiety and depression. And we want to allow God to shape what we think and how we respond to anxiety and to dark nights of the soul. Um, and so that's going to happen Thursday, August 29th from 6 to 9 p.m. here at the building. Uh, and you can RSVP for that at the info table uh, or online. We would love for you to join us if, if anxiety or depression are things that you have wrestled with in your life. Or if you're just interested in counseling those who, who have walked through it. It might be a helpful night for you, for you to attend. Um, the second thing that I need to mention before we uh, go to God in prayer for this passage um, is that we, we just need to take a moment um, to grieve the lives that were lost uh, due to senseless uh, gun violence yesterday. If you haven't heard, uh, there were mass shootings in uh, El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio, Ohio that have left uh, nearly 30 people dead. Um, in El Paso, families walked into a Walmart to, to stock up on groceries or what have you, and, um, and, and those families didn't walk out of there. Uh, 
in Dayton, people went out to enjoy a night on the town and they just never came home. Um, so far this year, 281 people have died from gun violence. In the United States, that's an average of, of 1.2 people a day. Um, and in the case of El Paso, I just want to say this explicitly. Um, as a church and, and as Christians, we condemn white nationalism. I want that to be clear here. Um, the evil ideology behind white nationalism is the most anti-Christian thing that I can think of. We are all made in the image of God and we are worthy of respect because of that. And to ever elevate your race above somebody else's, to say that I'm better because I look a certain way, is anti-Jesus. And so I'm not going to mince words on that. What happened in El Paso was horrific. There is no justification for it. Okay, and as Christians, we should be vocal about this. We should care about this. I don't care if you're insulated from it or you, haven't, you don't have to deal with gun violence yourself or white nationalism yourself. We are called to care about it because God cares about it. Amen? Amen. So I, listen, I'm not here to make a political statement, okay? I, I am here to call us as a church to mourn with those who mourn and to pray for wisdom about things that we can do to try to alleviate gun violence in our country. Um, the scripture instructs us to, to do both, to both mourn with those who mourn and to ask God for wisdom when, when sadness and darkness and violence abound. And so um, whether you feel passionate about gun rights or whether you feel passionate about gun control or, or, or if you feel apathetic and you just walked in here saying, I don't, I don't really know, I don't really care, the call for us, again, is to mourn with those who mourn and ask God for wisdom as we think about how we can curb this issue in our nation. Um, it, it's strange to open my sermon uh, with that uh, admonition because uh, this sermon is all about joy. This is all about making a joyful noise to the Lord. And so um, I, I say all of that against the backdrop of, of this text. But I, I just want to encourage us, as a church, as Christians, we can do it all. We can grieve with those who grieve, and we can rejoice in the face of sadness because our King, King Jesus, gets the final word over death. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going we're gonna to grieve with those who grieve, and we're going to celebrate the fact that our risen King is coming to make all things new. All right? So, so let's ask the Holy Spirit for help as we do this together. Father, I, um, I just hurt. For, for the people who are hurt right now in El Paso, Texas, and in, in Dayton, Ohio, uh, people who have lost best friends, people who have lost uh, family members, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters. And I cry out with them, how long, oh Lord? How long? Will, will you come back? Will you return? Will you make all things new? We, we know that you will, and we, we plead with you for, to, for you to do it soon. And, and yet we come here this morning as well to confess, that, Jesus, that you are king, that you are on your throne, that you are all-powerful, that you are almighty, and that the day is coming when, where there will be no more sorrow, no more tears. You will come, God, to judge the peoples with equity. You will make things right. 
And so help us to live in this tension of, of grieving with those who grieve and yet rejoicing as those who, who have hope. We are not those without hope. We, you have given us hope in Jesus. And so we both thank you for that and, and we plead with you to come and to fix what's broken because we can't do it. We can't do it. We need your help. Maybe show us this week a practical step that we could take towards helping to push back the darkness. Make us your agents. Put us on mission. We want to see the darkness pushed away. So use us, though we are cracked, though we are broken, use us in your mission in whatever way you see fit. And help us to be open-hearted and open-minded this morning to, to what you might be calling us to. Pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um, all right. <laughs> Transition. Um, if you were here, if you were here two weeks ago, uh, you heard Miguel do a great job preaching Psalm 96. Uh, and and uh, hopefully you remember what he said. Hopefully some of that has stuck with you. But but if not, you're in luck because Psalm 98 is really similar. Uh, so there's there's a lot of crossover here, and so we're going to be hitting a lot of the same things, um, a lot of the same themes. So uh, in both Psalms, there's an invitation to sing. You see that in verse one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. There's a call for for Gentiles to observe God's power, to see God working powerfully. Uh, there's uh, uh, the rejoicing of the material world, the, the hills and the rivers. Uh, are, are exclaiming God's goodness. Uh, and then finally, there's this concept of God as judge, which we see in verse 9. And so a lot of crossover. Um, so today will be a good reminder if, if you either weren't here or you're having trouble remembering what Miguel talked about. Um, one more note on these two Psalms. Um, they've, they've both become associated with Christmas uh, because we see the foreshadowing of, of Jesus as the Davidic king who will, who will bring light to the Gentiles. Um, and, and this Psalm in particular, Psalm 98, was actually... Isaac Watts' uh, inspiration as he wrote Joy to the World. Uh, the Christmas hymn that we all know and love, Joy to the World, was, was inspired by this psalm. And so uh, what I want to do to just frame it up is just take a second and read those lyrics. Uh, I, I don't know about you, whenever we sing this song during Christmas, uh, I'm busy, I've got a lot of things going on in my life. I feel like I don't have time to just sit and meditate on the words. So we're just going to do that as we frame up our time in Psalm 98. Let me, let me read this. You got, you got Christmas in July with Miguel, and now you're getting Christmas in August with me. Uh, so let's read Joy to the World. It says this, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. The hills and the rivers sing. Verse 7. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. Why? Because the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, sing a new song to the Lord, verse 1. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Verse 3. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Why? Because Jesus comes to make his blessings know, and they extend as far as the curse is found. As far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. Final verse. He rules the wor world with both truth and grace. And he makes the nations prove. Everybody will see the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. The wonders of his love. The wonders, the wonders of his love. And as I 
recited that as I was preparing this week, I almost said, this is the word of the Lord at the end of it, because it just felt appropriate, but uh, it, it's not scripture. It's very close, so we, we won't say that there. Um, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful Christmas hymn, right? It, it's Jesus coming to the earth, the world responding with joyful singing, and, and as his kingdom is inaugurated, the, the curse of sin is broken, and a new world, one that is ruled by truth and by grace, is beginning. It's beautiful and it's simple, and, and sometimes passages of Scripture are not that. Sometimes they're dense, that they're thick with symbolism, and, and they require robust interpretation. Uh, but, but Psalm 98 is not one of those passages. If I can be honest with you, it's, it's fairly simple. Um, and so I'm hoping that, that it will be easy to understand as we talk through it. I've got two simple headers for you. The first is um, sing a new song. Verses 1 through 3, we see the, the command to sing a new song. And then in verses 4 through 9... Uh, we're called to sing it with joy. So sing a new song and sing it with joy. Those are our headers, one through three and then, and then four through nine. So let's look at the text. Uh, first half of, of verse one says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. And, and the question here is, why do we sing a new song? Or, or when do we sing a new song? What, what happens when we sing a new song? Um, this, this typically happens when we begin a new chapter in our life, right? So converts to Christianity uh, would, would sing a new song, both literally singing hymns or praise songs, um, but also metaphorically with their lives. When you convert to something, uh, that means that you are brought over from one belief or one view or one party to the other. Um, and so you are singing a different song from the song that you sang before. And, and so that's a good question for us this morning is, what song were you singing before you came to put your trust in Christ? Uh, what songs do you continue to run to today, as we talked about in our confession of sin? Um, or, or maybe you haven't put your trust in Christ, and so the question for you is, what song are you singing today? Um, are you singing a song of trying to make it on your own, of trying to piece together some sort of life that just feels okay? Is that the song that you're singing? Uh, we, we sing songs here at Park that, that one of them starts off by declaring that we cannot make it on our own, oh God. We need the cross and our Savior's blood. This is the song of Christianity. It's a confession of the fact that we can't make it on our own. We also sing, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. You're my one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. And so apparently I'm just going to uh, recite song lyrics for this entire, uh, this entire sermon. Uh, no, the, the, the Christian song is one of dependence. Uh, it calls all of us, Christian or otherwise, uh, t- to sing a song of dependence and, and to stop trying to make it on our own. Um, so this psalm in particular is going to call us to sing about God's salvific work and the beautiful implications of what God has done for us in Jesus. Um, and this is a big part of why we come to church every week, right? Like, why do we come here? Um, it, it's easy for us to become distracted, to turn inward, to be self-focused, to want to sing our own little song and do our own little thing. And so uh, we gather together as forgetful people, as, as sheep who turn astray, as we read, um, and we gather with the saints, we gather with those who are exploring Christianity, we gather maybe with those who woke up this morning and just felt an urge to come here, and you, you're not sure why. But now, here we all are, calling ourselves to sit under the authority of Scripture and to be reminded of the one true song that we have been called to sing, okay? That's what we're here for today. Um, so this new song, what is it? What is it all about? Uh, what, what are they singing about in this new song? Well, let's look at four things uh, from the first three verses here in chapter 98. All right, the first thing that we see, again, in verse 1, uh, 
It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Why? For he has done marvelous things. Now, what are the marvelous things that God has done? <laughs> uh, for, for the people who would have been uh, singing this psalm or, or receiving this psalm, uh, this refers to the exodus from Egypt. Uh, God provided deliverance from the oppressive rule of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And, and we studied this, if you remember, uh, during our, our study of Exodus in the spring. If you were here, the, we did the first half of Exodus and we learned all about how, how God empowered Moses and Aaron to go before Pharaoh and demand that he let God's people go. And after a series of plagues uh, and Pharaoh's heart growing increasingly hard, uh, Pharaoh finally relents and he lets the people of God go. And then a few days later, what does he do? He changes his mind. He says, I want my slaves back. And so he sends his armies after them. And God um, God says, no way. I've called these people to freedom. And so I'm going to split the Red Sea. And I'm going to allow these people to walk through it on dry land. And as the Egyptians follow them, the Red Sea swallows up the Egyptians, right? We talked about how that foreshadows the death being swallowed up in Christ. So, so these are marvelous things that God has done, the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, and ultimately he provides deliverance from a life of slavery and oppression at the hands of a cruel dictator. This is what our God does. Now, uh, this, this deliverance that's described in Exodus, it's a foreshadowing of, of our deliverance that has now come in Christ. And I had, to, I had to discipline myself this week to really pause and think about this, to not just brush past it, but to sit and meditate on the truth um, that, that Christ uh, has died for me, <laughs> that, that, that I've been adopted as a son and daughter of the King uh, because, because Christ came, he took on human form, he condescended to us, he lived perfectly, he died a death that I deserved, and, and then he rose again to conquer sin and death. This is a stunning reality, and I don't want to brush past it. Ephesians 1 reminds us that before time began, God chose you as a son or daughter of the king. And again, if you're here today and you haven't called on Christ as Lord, perhaps today is the day. Perhaps today is the day that God would adopt you into his family through the work of the Holy Spirit to save you as you call on Jesus as your Savior. That's our prayer for you. I'll just be explicit. That's what we want. Um, and here we are in verse 1 of Psalm 98, and I'm already talking about Jesus and the gospel, so uh, maybe what we should do is just call it there. Maybe we're good because uh, that, that's kind of the whole point here. But um, no, no, let, let's keep going. The, the point of this first statement in this new song is that we should think on what God has done for us. Again, for this audience, that they think on the exodus from Egypt. For us, that we would think about um, the exodus from a life of sin and slavery and death. And, and God calls us into a life of freedom and obedience to a good king who loves us enough to lay down his life for us. Um, that's what we're called to, to sing about and remember here in verse 1. Uh, but it continues on. Uh, the second thing that we see uh, is that uh, this new song wants us to sing about the, the conquest that God has won. So look again at verse 1. It says, uh, His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. So our, our Redeemer has conquered every enemy that has ever stood in His way, and He will conquer every enemy that is to come. In fact, the day is coming when He will crush Satan's head and he will damn Satan to eternal darkness. That day is coming. Yes. The day is coming where there will be no more tears. The day is coming where there will be no more sorrow because God will win. God always wins. His purposes will not be thwarted. He is building his church. And as Matthew 16 reminds us, he is building us up, church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. 
Jesus told this through his disciple Peter. You remember Peter? He was the disciple who on the night that Jesus was betrayed denied that he even knew Jesus three times. And what he told Peter was, I'm going to build my church through you. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't care if you deny me three times. This is going to happen. So not only will demons or evil spirits or Satan himself be unable to stop our God, but even our own unbelief, our own wandering, our own foolishness, even that will not be able to keep God from accomplishing what he is doing through his church. God works through broken, cracked, messed up people just like us to build this upside down kingdom. And Romans 8 reminds us that in Christ we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. So, sing of the marvelous things that God has done. Sing of his absolute power over his enemies. And then the third thing that we see, verse 2, God has revealed his salvation. The Lord has made, his, or made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. So God has not uh, hidden his salvation, but he's revealed it for all to see. And, and it's not complicated. Uh, the, the simplicity and the beauty of the gospel is, is simple enough to where even young children can understand it. And I know that we have kids in here with us this morning because of our summer programming. So thank you for reading scripture. Let me just, here's how Tim Keller describes the gospel. I think it's very simple and very beautiful. So this is for you kids. Um, Keller says this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. So, so what that means is, um, we hurt our friends, we hurt our brothers, we get selfish. We, uh, we want to go our own way. We don't want to obey our parents. And we do that more often than we ever thought that we would. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. So even though we're constantly messing up, even though we're constantly going our own way, God's love for us never ends. That is the gospel. It's simple, it's beautiful, and God has revealed it to us in Jesus, and he's revealed it to the entire world. That's what uh, verse 2 here is telling us. This is not just for the Jews. He's revealing it to the Gentiles so that they can see his power and put their trust in Christ when Jesus comes. Uh, Romans 1 tells us that this is true. It says, God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Uh, the, the universe is screaming the fact that God exists, that he loves us, and that he wants to save us in Jesus. All you have to do is lift your head up to see that that is true. God has revealed his way of salvation to everyone. And then the last thing that we see here, thing four from this song, what are they singing about? Um, they are singing that God keeps his promises. You're going to see this in verse three. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So our God is a remembering God. He remembers his steadfast love and faithfulness to us. He remembers his covenant. He remembers that he has promised to be gracious and merciful. Um, and this is really good news for us, right? Because uh, we serve a God who keeps his promises. Um, and we are a forgetful, fickle people. So if, if our salvation depended on our ability to, to uphold our end of the deal, uh, then we would be in big trouble. Uh, we would be without hope. But, but thanks be to God that he is the one who remembers, that, that he is the one who is faithful, despite our near constant wandering. And so that's why when, when we receive that assurance of pardon, we say together, thanks be to God, right? Thanks be to God that we are assured of our forgiveness because of what he's done. 
So, so this is the new song that, that they are called to sing. I think it's a pretty good song. Um, I need to ask the Holy Spirit to help me sing it more often than I do, to, to meditate on the truth and the beauty of what God has done for us. And, and as, we, as we look to God, as we meditate on what he's done, the, I think the, the necessary question is, how then should we live? <laughs> um, I think we're called to live in light of the, the joyful music that is described in verses 4 through 9. Uh, so let's look at verses 4 through 9 together. Again, if you're a header person, sing a new song. We just finished that. Now we're going to sing it with joy. So verses 4 through 9. Verse 4 says... Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous singing, joyous song, and sing praises. So we, we are to sing to God with joy, uh, with instruments. Uh, we are called to strike up the band, to let loose, uh, to, to bring in the choir, to dance, to make joyful noises before God. Whatever that means for you. Joyful noises, little squeals of delight, or whatever that might be for you. A joyful noise. Um, and, and what I thought of here was like, uh, what's your song? What's that song when it comes on, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're about to, yeah, we're going to jam a little bit here. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I see somebody out there doing it already. Um, inhibitions be gone, like we're singing, we're dancing, I, nobody's watching, we're doing this. Um, that is what the psalmist is instructing us to do as we sing this new song, to sing with joy. Um, I, I thought also here of the, uh, the street musicians in New Orleans. I don't know if you've ever been to New Orleans. It's one of my favorite places on earth. Um, but I love to watch these guys play music out on the street. I mean, their, their whole bodies are into it. They are giving it everything that they got, like their lives depended on it. Um, and, and, and I want to say this with a lot of love, and I actually want to say 11 a.m., you are better at this than the, than the 9 a.m. So I had to call them out this morning. Uh, but we're kind of bad at this. We're kind of bad at singing with all that we have here at Park Church, right? Um, sometimes, here, we have room to improve. That's the nice way to say it. We have room to improve. Um, I, I, I don't know if people just aren't awake yet, uh, but sometimes when I'm here on the piano and I'm like, you know, I'm into it. I'm playing. I'm, y'all know how I do. And then I look out and I'm like, guys? I, it, it's like a sea of zombies out here, you know? We're singing like, my debt is paid, and you guys are like, my debt is paid, you know? Dude, come on. Um, <laughs> now, I, I, I want to be clear here. I want to be clear about, about what the word joy means. Um, because I read the Webster definitions, and the first one was, I, I don't think it gets at what, what I'm talking about here. It said, uh, joy is a state of happiness or felicity. Uh, the word that they used is bliss. That would be the synonym. Um, and and, and spirit-wrought joy, <laughs> the, the, the joy that is ours because of what Christ has done, is no mere state of happiness. Okay, it's no frivolous, shallow sense of bliss. Um, and, and that's why the second definition gets much closer to the heart of what this type of joy is. Uh, it says this, joy is the emotion evoked by the prospect of possessing what one desires or delight. So the emotions that come up for you when you think about getting the thing that you most want, that's what joy is. Um, this type of joy is prompted because we do possess what our hearts truly desire. Augustine told us that our hearts will be restless until they rest in God. And so this deep, deep joy comes from the knowledge of the fact that we are adopted as God's sons and daughters, um, that we have been rescued from sin and death, that, that, that we have hope beyond the grave, that death has been defeated. What in the world could bring a greater joy than this? Amen? 
Amen. Now, I, I, I want to be real with you because um, sometimes this is easy for us. Sometimes uh, we sing from a place of joy. And so uh, we walk into this building and we are glad in God and we are ready to praise him, right? Uh, that's easy to do. Other times it's really hard. We come in here burdened and heavy from the week um, and, and, and we must call our souls to sing for joy. Um, to ask the Holy Spirit to aliven us to the truth of God and to make our souls happy in him. Hear me, I, I was the moody teenager growing up in church who if I wasn't feeling it, it showed on my face. Okay, so I, 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 I'm not asking you to come to Park Church and put on a face. I'm nev- we never ask you to do that. Come here and be who you are. And if you are in a place of sadness, ask the Holy Spirit to wake you up to the truth and beauty of what God has done for us. Now, the other thing that I thought about here, um, maybe just a model for you. After an election cycle, you will see people take to the streets to celebrate if if the candidate that they liked was elected. People are popping bottles of champagne, and they are lighting fireworks, and they are uh, shouting in the streets because because they're happy about what's what's happened. Um, And what we get to celebrate, what we get to celebrate every Sunday is that God is on his throne. God rules and reigns over everything. So, so we don't have to live in the cycle of elections because God has been reigning and he will continue to reign. And every Sunday we come together to celebrate that. Okay? And so I don't want to look out and see us as zombies. I want y'all to be awake to the power of what God has done for us. That God rules. Come on. And, and, and guess what? Even the sea and the hills are rejoicing here. Even the seas and the hills can't help themselves. The entire creation rejoices at just the idea of God's just rule coming to earth. That's because God's rule is good for everybody and everything. God's kingdom will be a blessing to all of creation. Second Peter 2.13 reminds us that we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth. We are waiting for the day when heaven will come to earth and everything, including the seas and the hills, everything will be as it should be. Romans 8.19 talks about this tension that we live in. It says this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions, adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. Creation is groaning for the day when things will be made right. And we groan right along with it for the day when God will make all things new. So this, this is the tension of the Christian life. <laughs> um, we, we both sing for joy for what God has done, and we cry out, how long, O Lord, we, as we anticipate the day when he will return. Um, I like this tension so much that, that I got it tattooed on my wrist. And so here on, the, on my left wrist is this German word, Seinzucht. Uh, and C.S. Lewis described this word as the inconsolable longing for we know not what. Um, that's what this groaning represents, the desire for heaven to come to earth. And then on my right wrist, uh, the word shalom, um, peace on earth. 
It's an acknowledgement that, that, that God is working, that he is making all things new, that he does win in the end, that Satan will be crushed, that the victory belongs to Jesus. Death does not get the final word. And so what we do here today, friends, we long for the day when heaven will come to earth and we celebrate with joy what God has done and continues to do. God loves us with a steadfast love. He's given us hope in his son for whoever would call on his name. Those things are true. So as we close out our time, um, I want us to consider two things. And uh, the band can come on back up now. Um, the first thing to consider, again, I, I just want to speak to you. If you've never called upon Jesus as Lord, maybe today is the day when you would do that. As I said earlier, that, that's our explicit hope for you, um, that maybe you've come to the end of yourself. Maybe you can no longer sing that song that you've been singing. Maybe it's not working out for you anymore, and you know that today you need Jesus, and that you need his saving work on the cross, and that you need the hope of the resurrection in your life, because everything else has run out on you. It's not working anymore. Um, We're going to put two prayers up on the screen for you here. Um, And if you're searching for truth, then pray this prayer here on the left. If you want God to reveal his salvation to you, then pray that prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal God's truth to you. Or if you're ready to believe, please pray that prayer on the right-hand side of the screen. Um, Come find me. Find a staff member in the back or a member of our prayer team here in a moment. We would love to pray with you and talk with you about what it means to be a part of the family of God. We want you to be part of this family. Um, If you are a part of this family, if you are a Christian, um, then let's just take a couple moments here. We've just heard from God's words. Let's take a couple moments to ask the Holy Spirit to to give us the kind of joy that is described in this passage. Um, Again, a joy that is based on who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus. I want all of us to have that kind of joy this morning. Um, So let's let's ask the Holy Spirit for that. Feel free to pray with somebody that you came with, um, but let's take a couple minutes to respond to God's word together.